Chapter Three of My Lady's Money. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. My Lady's Money by Wilkie Collins, Part One, Chapter Three. My nephew, Lady Lydiard exclaimed in a tone which expressed astonishment, but certainly not pleasure as well. How many years is it since you and I last met? She asked in her abruptly straightforward way, as Mr. Felix Sweetser approached her writing-table. The visitor was not a person easily discouraged. He took Lady Lydiard's hand and kissed it with easy grace. A shade of irony was in his manner, agreeably relieved by a playful flash of tenderness. A "'Years, my dear aunt,' he said. "'Look in your glass, and you will see that time has stood still since we met last. How wonderfully well you wear! When shall we celebrate the appearance of your first wrinkle?' i am too old i shall never live to see it he took an easy chair uninvited placed himself close at his aunt's side and ran his eye over her ill-chosen dress with an air of satirical admiration how perfectly successful he said with his well-bred insolence what a chaste gaiety of colour what do you want asked her ladyship not in the least softened by the compliment i want to pay my respects to my dear aunt felix answered perfectly impenetrable to his ungracious reception, and perfectly comfortable in a spacious armchair. No pen-and-ink portrait need surely be drawn of Felix Sweetser. He is too well known a picture in society. The little lithe man, with his bright restless eyes, and his long iron-gray hair falling in curls to his shoulders, his airy step and his cordial manner, his uncertain age, his innumerable accomplishments, and his unbounded popularity, is he not familiar everywhere? and welcome everywhere how grateful he receives how prodigally he repays the cordial appreciation of an admiring world every man he knows is a charming fellow every woman he sees is sweetly pretty what picnics he gives on the banks of the thames in the summer season what a well-earned little income he derives from the whist table what an inestimable actor he is at private theatricals of all sorts weddings included did you never read sweetser's novel dashed off in the intervals of curative perspiration at a German bath? Then you don't know what brilliant fiction really is. He has never written a second work. He does everything, and only does it once. One song, the despair of professional composers. One picture, just to show how easily a gentleman can take up an art and drop it again. A really multiform man, with all the graces and all the accomplishments scintillating perpetually at his fingers' ends. If these poor pages have achieved nothing else, they have done a service to persons not in society by presenting them to Sweetser. In his gracious company the narrative brightens, and the writer and reader, catching reflected brilliancy, understand each other at last, thanks to Sweetser. Well, said Lady Lydiard, now you are here, what have you got to say for yourself? You have been abroad, of course. Where? Principally at Paris, my dear aunt, the only place that is fit to live in, for this excellent reason that the French are the only people who know how to make the most of life. One has relations and friends in England, and every now and then one returns to London. When one has spent all one's money in Paris, her ladyship interposed, that's what you were going to say, isn't it? Felix submitted to the interruption, with his delightful good humor. What a bright creature you are, he exclaimed. What would I not give for your flow of spirits? Yes, one does spend money in paris as you say the clubs the stock exchange the race course 
you try your luck here there and everywhere and you lose and win win and lose and you haven't a dull day to complain of he paused his smile died away he looked inquiringly at lady lydiard what a wonderful existence yours must be he resumed the everlasting question with your needy fellow creatures where am i to get money is a question that has never passed your lips enviable woman he paused once more surprised and puzzled this time what is the matter my dear aunt you seem to be suffering under some uneasiness i am suffering under your conversation her ladyship answered sharply money is a sore subject with me just now she went on with her eyes on her nephew watching the effect of what she said i have spent five hundred pounds this morning with a scrape of my pen and only a week since i yielded to temptation and made an addition to my picture gallery she looked as she said those words towards an archway at the further end of the room closed by curtains of purple velvet i really tremble when i think of what that one picture cost me before i could call it mine a landscape by hobema and the national gallery bidding against me but never mind she concluded consoling herself as usual with considerations that were beneath her hobema will sell at my death for a bigger price than i gave for him that's one comfort she looked again at felix a smile of mischievous satisfaction began to show itself in her face anything wrong with your watch chain she asked felix absently playing with his watch chain started as if his aunt had suddenly awakened him while lady lydiard had been speaking his vivacity had subsided little by little and had left him looking so serious and so old that his most intimate friend would hardly have known him again roused by the sudden question that had been put to him he seemed to be casting about in his mind in search of the first excuse for his silence that might turn up i was wondering he began why i missed something when i look round this beautiful room something familiar you know that i fully expected to find here tommy suggested lady lydiard still watching her nephew as maliciously as ever that's it cried felix seizing his excuse and rallying his spirits why don't i hear tommy snarling behind me why don't i feel tommy's teeth in my trousers the smile vanished from lady lydiard's face the tone taken by her nephew in speaking of her dog was disrespectful in the extreme she showed him plainly that she disapproved of it felix went on nevertheless impenetrable to reproof of the silent sort dear little tommy so delightfully fat and such an infernal temper i don't know whether i hate him or love him where is he ill in bed answered her ladyship with a gravity which startled even felix himself i wish to speak to you about tommy you know everybody do you know of a good dog doctor the person i have employed so far doesn't at all satisfy me professional person inquired felix yes all humbugs my dear aunt the worse the dog gets the bigger the bill grows don't you see i've got the man for you a gentleman knows more about horses and dogs than all the veterinary surgeons put together we met in the boat yesterday crossing the channel lord rotherfield's youngest son alfred hardyman the owner of the stud farm the man who has bred the famous racehorses cried lady lydiard my dear felix how can i presume to trouble such a great personage about my dog felix burst into his genial laugh never was modesty more woefully out of place he rejoined hardyman is dying to be presented to your ladyship 
he has heard like everybody of the magnificent decorations of this house and he is longing to see them his chambers are close by in pell-mell if he is at home we will have him here in five minutes perhaps i had better see the dog first lady lydiard shook her head isabel says that she is not to be disturbed she answered isabel understands him better than anybody felix lifted his lively eyebrows with a mixed expression of curiosity and surprise who is isabel lady lydiard was vexed with herself for carelessly mentioning isabel's name in her nephew's presence felix was not the sort of person whom she was desirous of admitting to her confidence in domestic matters isabel is an addition to my household since you were here last she answered shortly young and pretty inquired felix ah you look serious and you don't answer me young and pretty evidently which may i see first the addition to your household or the addition to your picture gallery you look at the picture gallery i am answered again he rose to approach the archway and stopped at his first step forward a sweet girl is a dreadful responsibility aunt he resumed with an ironical assumption of gravity do you know i shouldn't be surprised if isabel in the long run cost you more than hobema who is this at the door the person at the door was robert moody returned from the bank mr felix sweet sir being nearsighted was obliged to fit his eyeglass in position before he could recognize the prime minister of lady lydiard's household ha our noble moody how well he wears got a gray hair on his head and look at mine what dye do you use moody if he had my open dispositions he would tell as it is he looks unutterable things and holds his tongue ah if i could only have held my tongue when i was in the diplomatic service you know what a position i might have occupied by this time don't let me interrupt you moody if you have anything to say to lady lydiard having acknowledged mr sweet sir's lively greeting by a formal bow and a grave look of wonder which respectfully repelled that vivacious gentleman's flow of humour moody turned towards his mistress have you got the bank-note asked her ladyship moody laid the bank-note on the table am i in the way inquired felix no said his aunt i have a letter to write it won't occupy me for more than a few minutes you can stay here or go and look at the hobema which you please felix made a second sauntering attempt to reach the picture gallery arrived within a few steps of the entrance he stopped again attracted by an open cabinet of italian workmanship filled with rare old china being nothing if not a cultivated amateur mr sweetser paused to pay his passing tribute of admiration before the contents of the cabinet charming charming he said to himself with his head twisted appreciatively a little on one side lady lydiard and moody left him in undisturbed enjoyment of the china and went on with the business of the banknote ought we to take the number of the note in case of accident asked her ladyship moody produced a slip of paper from his waistcoat pocket i took the number my lady at the bank very well you keep it while i am writing my letter suppose you direct the envelope what is the clergyman's name moody mentioned the name and directed the envelope felix happening to look round at lady lydiard and the steward while they were both engaged in writing returned suddenly to the table as if he had been struck by a new idea is there a third pen he asked why shouldn't i write a line at once to hardyman aunt the sooner you have his opinion about tommy the better don't you think so lady lydiard pointed to the pen tray with a smile 
to show consideration for her dog was to seize irresistibly on the high road to her favor. Felix set to work on his letter, in a large scrambling handwriting, with plenty of ink and a noisy pen. "'I declare we are like clerks in an office,' he remarked in his cheery way. "'All with our noses to the paper, writing as if we lived by it. Here, Moody, let one of the servants take this at once to Mr. Hardyman's.' The messenger was dispatched. Robert returned, and waited near his mistress, with a directed envelope in his hand. Felix sauntered back slowly towards the picture-gallery for the third time. In a moment more Lady Lydiard finished her letter, and folded up the bank-note in it. She had just taken the directed envelope from Moody, and had just placed the letter inside it, when a scream from the inner room, in which Isabel was nursing the sick dog, startled everybody. "'My lady! My lady!' cried the girl, distractedly. "'Tommy is in a fit! Tommy is dying!' Lady Lydiard dropped the unclosed envelope on the table and ran, yes, short as she was and fat as she was, ran, into the inner room. The two men, left together, looked at each other. Moody, said Felix, in his lazily cynical way, do you think, if you or I were in a fit, that her ladyship would run? Bah! These are the things that shake one's faith in human nature. I feel infernally seedy. That cursed channel passage— I tremble in my innermost stomach when I think of it. Get me something, Moody. What shall I send you, sir? Moody asked coldly. Some dry coraco and a biscuit. And let it be brought to me in the picture gallery. Damn the dog! I'll go and look at Hobema. This time he succeeded in reaching the archway, and disappeared behind the curtains of the picture gallery. End of chapter 3 Recording by Todd